All right, so we are officially into December. We are into the Christmas season. The decorations are up. The lights are going up. I was hanging off the roof yesterday, putting up Christmas lights, and got them all tested and put up, and then they didn't work and tested every bit of religion that I have. And we are, we are well into the Christmas season now. And I love this time of year for us to, on Sundays, be able to focus in on what the message of Christmas is really about. Because there's a lot of chaos out there, there's a lot of anxiety out there, lots of things going on that tell us what the world says Christmas should be. And it's good for us to come together and hit the reset button and remember what it's really about. Now for, for you, I don't know when your Christmas season starts. Uh, For some of you, the Christmas season starts at the Thanksgiving Day Parade where Santa comes into Macy's. Uh, For others, Christmas season starts uh, in July when the Hallmark ornaments come out. Uh, For for others, uh, January 1st is the start of your countdown. Uh, For others, the fact that we're even talking about it today is offensive (laughs) because it's not time yet for that. But, but whenever you have Christmas season starting for you and your family, whether it's when the decorations come up or the shopping starts or, or whenever that is, there is probably music that is associated with that. As a kid, we would get out the, the Christmas decorations, and, and part of opening the boxes of decorations is getting out the cassette tapes of Christmas music uh, that had been stored all year long, and we would play those cassettes and listen to our favorite Christmas music, and then we would get the tree decorated, and then we would watch White Christmas on VHS. And so we would have that music that was the soundtrack to our Christmas season. I love Christmas music. I have a playlist, lots of different playlists of Christmas music, uh, some more traditional, some more fun, some more spiritual. I enjoy that music. It usually starts sometime around Thanksgiving. This year, I started listening to uh, Christmas music at the end of October, and so, um, but I have the excuse that I was prepping for this series, and so I really needed to get into the mode and get my Christmas playlist out early. Um, but for, for us, we, we have our favorite songs, but we also have some of those songs that we really despise, those songs that we cannot stand. Uh, how would you complete this statement? All I want for Christmas is to not hear blank. Like, what do you not want to hear for Christmas? Here's some of the songs that I am really tired of and don't want to hear. First one, simply having a wonderful Christmas time. The moon is right, the spirit's up, we're here tonight, and that's enough. Like, what does that even mean? Like, what is this song about? Uh, It's obviously written by a group of guys that have no potential for a hit. Um, I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Like, Like, where are you going to put a hippo? And what kid comes up and says, you know, the hippo's really a cute, cuddly kind of thing. I'd really like one of those. Um, Anything by the chipmunks. Um, Christmas shoes. Christmas shoes. My mom is dying. I want her to look good for Jesus. And so I spend every last penny, but it's not quite enough to buy her these shoes so that she can look good for Jesus. Jesus did not wear shoes. Jesus doesn't like shoes. Jesus died barefoot with nails going through the feet. So like Christmas shoes, really? I, I don't know. Um, Santa baby. Um, 
Santa loves Mrs. Claus. He is not your sugar daddy. So just not there. Um, 12 days of Christmas. Please make it stop on day one. My absolute least favorite Christmas song is Oh Christmas Tree. Oh Christmas Tree. I like decorating Christmas trees. I like having a Christmas tree. But this song, Oh Christmas Tree, Oh Christmas Tree, thy leaves are so unchanging. Duh. It's an evergreen tree. Like, really. Horrible songs. Please don't play these. Um, there is a comment box in the back that you can uh, write how you were offended by my choice of bad songs. So there's songs that we like, there's songs that we don't like. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to be spending time looking at Christmas songs and looking at the story behind those songs. But these songs are different. These are songs that come straight out of Scripture in Luke chapters 1 and 2. As we look at, at these songs that are presented and we've got little segments of them on the banners around the room where we're going to be looking this week at the Song of Mary. And then next week, we're going to be looking at Zechariah. And then the week after that, the angels to the shepherds. And then the last week, we'll be looking at Simeon as he blesses this child, Jesus. And so these are the songs of Christmas that we're going to look for. And we're actually going to be using this as a launching point to get us into next year where we're going to be going through Luke and Acts for the bulk of the year. Looking at who Jesus is, what he has come to do, what his mission is, and what the people of God are called to following Jesus. And so we'll be spending our time next year looking at that. So let's be turning to Luke chapter 1. That's where we're going to be at this morning. Luke chapter 1 is our first song. We've been singing some variations of this this morning. It's Mary's song. Some call it the Magnificat. This, this song of Mary as she celebrates who Jesus is and celebrates what God is doing through her and through the coming Savior. Our reading earlier in the, the service was Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38, which gave us some of the backstory behind the song, the story behind the song. Mary is visited by an angel and is told that she's going to conceive a baby and give birth to Jesus. What kind of news is that? That here is this angel, and it's at that point that she's greatly troubled, and then the angel has something to say. And says, you, Mary, are going to give birth to someone who is going to be king for all eternity. Now, most of us are familiar with what a strange story this is. This, this declaration that Mary, who is very young, who is betrothed to be married and is still a virgin, is going to be conceiving and delivering the Savior of the world. Women in Mary's world were, were not to be seen, they were not to be heard, and when they were betrothed, they were often betrothed at very young ages, maybe even before they were born. And then they would be handed over in marriage whenever they hit puberty. So Mary, who is betrothed but not yet married, could be 11 years old, 12 years old, 13 years old as she is encountering God and receiving this message of what is going to be happening within her. This young girl who is just starting to understand the realities of life around her has been given this incredible news. 
And she's not only young, she's not only unmarried, but she is also poor. She is described as a servant girl. She comes from this small little village. The story doesn't even tell us who her family is. She may even be a slave girl. And so we have this picture of this powerless person who is is now encountering God. The creator of the universe has come down and seen this young girl. And she is in his favor. She fa- he favors this girl. And so how does she respond? There's three words that can really sum up and describe how she responds to this. The first word is anxiety. She is greatly troubled. Even by the presence of this angel, she is troubled and anxious. And then imagine, as she's processing in her head, this news that she's just received, this this big announcement that is is life-altering, earth-shattering. The consequences of, of this unwed mother in this culture have devastating effects, and she's hearing this for the first time and anxious about it. As she thinks about what has just been told to her, the things that could be going through her head, Things like Joseph's response to this. What will he say? What will he do? What will my family do? How will they respond? How will my friends treat me? I'm already on the fringes of society. An unwed mother is going to be even worse. I'm going to be invisible to the world around me. And there are no welfare programs for a girl like this. No opportunities for her. But yet... She is greatly favored. Does not sound very favored to me. She is greatly troubled. But she has been chosen for this incredible mission. This mission of God to to bear God's son. to, To smuggle God into the world through a baby boy. This is what she's called to. What's she going to do with that? She has been chosen for this incredible thing, and it is a great honor, but it will not be easy, and it will not be comfortable. It will not make her popular. It would not allow her to fit in. I've heard one preacher say it this way, God working through you and in you does not always mean it is going to be easy for you and for you. God wants to do something through her. It will not be easy for her, but her response is incredible, which leads us to the second word. She says in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. She accepts the mission. There is anxiety, and then there's acceptance that yes, I am the Lord's servant. God has just presented her this plan of salvation for humanity, and it is all resting on this young teenage girl. Like, our hope for the future is resting on this teenage girl saying yes or no. And she says, I am the Lord's servant. And it's not this passive, ah, it is what it is, I guess I'll go along with it. It is this definitive, yes, I am the Lord's servant. The NRSV says, here am I. It is this declaration that I 
am accepting the mission of God, the call of God on my life. She's fully embracing it. And at this point, the angel leaves Mary, and she hurries off to go see her relative Elizabeth because she is not the only one that's having a miraculous birth. Verse 41, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my lips, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And so we have this intimate scene here between two women, this one that is very old and this one that is very young. Both are very poor. Both have no status. Both have no power. Both have no reputation. But both are experiencing this miraculous encounter of God. Both are experiencing this, this birth within them, coming from, from the inside as God has created something in them. And God is working with them. Neither one of them should be pregnant, but both of them are. And it's in this moment that Elizabeth, in this spirit-filled prophetic moment, says that, that Mary, Mary believes Elizabeth is interpreting everything that's happening here. Elizabeth sees past the scandal, past the challenge, past the, the broken hierarchy, past the significance of this pregnancy, and sees the significance of the birth of Jesus and calls this out. And it's in this Holy Spirit-filled moment that John leaps within Elizabeth's womb. That even before John is born, he is still pointing to Jesus. That even, even before he enters the scene as this crazy wild man out in the desert declaring the kingdom of God, he is in his mother's womb jumping for joy because Jesus is in his presence. And so what a scene this is for these two women, the very young and the very old, coming together and experiencing this encounter with God. And Elizabeth declares this truth about Mary, that she is the first believer of the good news of Jesus. And Mary is the first person that Jesus lives inside of. And she will not be the last. No matter what encounter you may have had with God, Sometimes we need this affirmation from others. Mary had this encounter from, from God. She, she hears what God is doing, but she still needs this time with Elizabeth to, to really understand what's going on, to, to really ease the anxiety, to ease, ease the, the difficulty of the situation, for her to fully accept what's going on with her place in life. She spends this important time with Elizabeth. And all of this is the story behind the song, because it's at this moment that Mary breaks out into adoration. 
Let's read these words of her song. She's visited by an angel. She meets with Elizabeth. She, she receives this incredible spirit-filled in information. And here she sings, verse 46. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. He's been mindful of the humble state of his servants. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And so here is our first Christmas song. The first part is, is Mary glorifying God, this personal glorification for what is going on in her and through her. And then the second part really declares who God is and the character of God and the mission of God and what he's up to in this birth of Jesus. It certainly does not sound like a person full of anxiety. It sounds like a person who has accepted and celebrates what God has seen in her, what God is doing in her. God of heaven looks upon her, this poor teenage girl who now carries a child within her. God looks at her with favor. He looks on her and takes note of her. He notices her. Someone by all other accounts would be completely invisible. And she really becomes a role model for us. She, she shows us what it is like to have Jesus at the very center of your life. To have Jesus dwell within you. She becomes this model for us. She, she gives God praise for seeing her. She responds with great humility and then opens up into this song that gives us a picture of the mission of God, the work of God, the character of God. But notice what her emphasis is on what God is doing. What is God up to here? Our songs of Christmas talk a lot about this baby Jesus and salvation, but this song has a different emphasis. He is honoring the humble and the poor. He is valuing and seeing the marginalized. But then there is this difficult message where he is displacing the rich and the powerful where he is condemning those with status and power. Mary, this one who has no status, one who would be invisible in her culture, now takes center stage as the, the focal point here. This theme of status and power is going to play out throughout Luke as we, we explore the mission of God. 
through Jesus in the story of Luke. It's a challenging message for us who find ourselves in in a pretty wealthy place. Most of us, by worldly standards, are pretty wealthy. Many of us find places of privilege in our workplaces and in our culture. We have levels of status. And these are the external things that God does not value. One commentator put it this way, One of the delusions of wealth, power, and status is that we think we might be in control of life. Another illusion is that we are somehow better than others. God disdains the proud. And that type of wedding to the trappings of the world. In our materialistic Western culture, where most of us are wealthy by world standards, it's easy to become blind to how materialistic we are and what we think we must have. God values the heart, not what we possess. And so through Mary's song, we see these priorities of the kingdom of God. These priorities that really seem upside down in the status-obsessed culture that we have. How do we respond to this? How do we we look at this? How do we we hit play on our Christmas list? We we, We hit play on our Christmas list. We listen to this song. What does it inspire us to do? What does it inspire us to become? That if these are the things that God values, if these are the things that he is raising up as important, what does that mean for us in our Christmas celebration? Here are a few takeaways for us this morning as we prayerfully think about this story and this song for us. The first one is we don't just need an encounter with God, we need an encounter with God's people. We don't just need an encounter with God. We need an encounter with God's people. Because Mary goes to Elizabeth. She's already heard the message. She's even accepted that message. But she needs the reinforcement of godly people around her to say, yes, you're on track. When she's in this this moment of anxiety and this moment of uncertainty, she needs people around her to be lifting her up and raising her up and encouraging her. And so who are the people around us that are lifting us up and encouraging us? Think about over your your life, who is it that's been there for you? There's the story of the young boy who is in bed at night and the lights are out and he is terrified of the room that he's in. He's worried about what's under the bed or what's in the closet, the things that might jump out and scare him in the dark of the night. And his parents reassure him, Jesus is there. Jesus is there. You don't need to worry about it. Jesus is there. And the boy responds, yeah, but I want something with skin on. We want something with skin on. That, that yes, we know these truths about God's presence with us. We know the truth of, of God dwelling in us. We know that we are empowered by the Spirit, but sometimes we just want something with some skin on it to give us a hug and encourage us and tell us it's going to be all right. And Elizabeth does this for Mary. It says, yes, you are following the call of God. Christmas season can be very difficult for people. It can be one of the most lonely times of the year. 
as people remember lost loved ones, as people remember the anxieties that are, are consuming them, as, the, as difficulties and challenges of life are just accentuated by the things that you see around you, it can be a difficult time. Don't do it alone. Don't isolate yourself. You need an encounter with God's people to go through this season. And so if you're alone, reach out to someone. Seek that encouragement with your brothers and sisters. And on the flip side of that, we need to be open and looking for those who need that extra connection, need that extra encouragement, who need that phone call, who need that cup of coffee, who need that note, encouraging them to not go at it alone. A second thing is to focus on what God has done so far. Mary sings of, of the wonderful things that God has done, and we, we've talked a lot through this uh, going through the book of Joshua, where we remember the mighty acts of God. And Mary is remembering the mighty acts of God, the things that, she, the things that he has done. This is one of the powerful things about songs and about music is because our worship together and the songs that we sing are helpful reminders for one another of what God is up to and what God has been doing. A reminder of the mighty acts that he is. We sing these songs that remind us of the names of God and who God is. And there's this element of warfare that is going on in the midst of our worship where, where the enemy wants to come in and, and distract us from the truth of who God is who wants us to forget what he has done for us, who wants us to forget the names of who he is, to forget the promises that he's given us. And we come together and we remind each other of these great truths, the mighty things that God has done. And then third, a powerful one for us right now is to see who God sees. To see who God sees. Because as, as Mary sings through this, we see this elevation of the poor, this recognition of the marginalized, the importance of those who are lesser. And this kingdom reality is completely flipped upside down, where status and power are no longer the things that measure value that the things that are valued are the things that we cannot see. And so will we have the eyes that Jesus has? Or will we continue to perpetuate the eyes of the powerful, the eyes of the rulers, the ones who sit on the throne? What eyes will we have? And then finally, we remember that God is not done yet. She sings this song, and some of it has come true. Some of it is a hope for the future. Some of it is declaring things that will be, but haven't happened yet. And on this Sunday of Advent, we, we celebrate this theme of hope, anticipating something that will be, that's not yet fully realized. This hope for the future. He will do these things. And so she's singing about these things. Yes, God has come in through Jesus and he has, 
healed sick, and he has fed the hungry, but it's not fully complete yet. We've not fully experienced this mission of God, this vision of God for his kingdom and his people. And so we remember in Mary's song that God is not done yet. There's still hope for something greater. And so when you find yourself in a season where this Christmas is more anxiety than it is joy, where it's discouragement, where it's hurt, where it is difficulty, where it's challenge, where it's things that are not going well, whatever those things are, God's not done yet. He's not done yet. And God sees you. He sees you. One great song of Christmas is Joy to the World. And Joy to the World is one of these songs where it is celebrating the birth of Jesus. But at the same time, it's anticipating this great future. The first verse is joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart proclaim his room. And heaven and nature sing. Heaven and nature sing. That Jesus is coming in and stirring things up and flipping things upside down so that we can experience this new nature and this new heaven. The final verse is, He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness and wonders of His love, wonders of His love, wonders of His love. There's more revelation in here than there is Christmas. As we think about Jesus returning, that hope for a future when everything is made complete and we celebrate this new heaven and this new earth together. Let's be standing together. We're going to be spending some time in, in prayer now. And the, the praise team has prepared a song for us just to, to, to wash over us and, and encourage us to remind us of the story of Mary. And so as they are singing, reflect on the lyrics, but also prayerfully consider what it is that you're anxious about. What is it that you're anxious about? What are the things that are distracting you, things that are hurting you, things that are, are wearing on you, especially as we head into this season? Will you surrender that to God's will? And the way Mary surrendered to God's will. What are the things that you have trouble accepting? What are the, what are the truths that you know that, that God, God has placed something on your heart, God has placed something on your life, but you really are struggling accepting that? Maybe there's something that you know you need to be doing, something that is changing in your life, but you just can't accept it yet. Will you pray that God will give you the strength to accept those things? And then as you reflect on what you are anxious about and what you are accepting, can you be in a place of adoration? Can you move to a place where, where you glorify God for what he has done for you, what he's doing in you, and what he's calling us into? Let's pray together.
God, we thank you for the coming of Jesus. We thank you for the hope of the future, a hope that, that, that we have that things will be drastically different than the things that we exist in today. And so, God, give us the strength to accept and then declare your greatness in the things that we see around us. God, give us that peace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.